Welcome to Healing Wisdom, a Thursday morning talk show featuring guests sharing their stories and knowledge. We discuss the healing aspects of the arts, metaphysics, social justice, and adventure through all types of terrain. So join me, Pandora Peoples, here on WOMR 92.1 FM in Provincetown and WFMR 91.3 FM in Orleans. We're streaming worldwide at WOMR.org. My guests today are award-winning musician Claudia Nygaard talking with us about her adaptation of Little Red Riding Hood, a new musical coming to the Academy of Performing Arts in Orleans. And we speak with Rad and Refuse to Be a Victim Certified Instructor, Michelle Morrow talking with us about self-defense, personal safety strategies, crimes of opportunity, using your intuition, and her top five safety tips. So stay tuned for that. Really happy to have with me my guest, award-winning musician, Claudia Nygaard. She is coming to Cape Cod to bring her musical Little Red Riding Hood, her adaptation to Orleans, Saturday the 7th and Sunday, October 8th. And it's going to be at the Academy of Performing Arts. Welcome back. Thanks for having me on your show. What inspired you to write this adaptation? The songs. I wrote the first song a long time ago, like three, four years ago or something before COVID. And as I, I wrote it, I just it was just a funny idea that it's the song is the part where Little Red Riding Hood uh, goes into grandmother's house and the wolf is dressed up in her clothing, you know, and, and the song is called You Just Don't Seem to Be Yourself Tonight. And I just thought that would be a really funny thing for Red Riding Hood, to, you know, to say. I've always loved Little Red Riding Hood because I have a little bit of an independent uh, streak and and a tendency to not mind myself, <laughs> you know. So it was really fun to kind of like imagine this little girl and what made her tick. And then at the same time, when I it's kind of like when I got that song, then the other songs just sort of started falling. I mean, falling in. I'm a really a story junkie. I mean, huge. I mean. I, my first love told me one time, he says, you're kind of like an old lady junkie, aren't you? You know, because I, I was always hanging out with these really elderly ladies, even though I was in my 20s, because they had so many stories to tell. And I was always just really interested in what they had to say. And I still am. I mean, I'm now I'm interested in what young people have to say, you know, too. <laughs> but but it's it's sort of been a thing where I've always been interested in stories. And so this song came up and... I just started writing it. I was driving, I think. I, I do that a lot. Or, but now I do it into my voice memo on my phone rather than the clipboard sitting on the passenger seat that I used to balance against the steering wheel, which was a very, very bad thing to do. When I'm driving, there's a thing that happens, I think, about the road. That there's the, the rhythm of the engine and the tires, you know, that kind of like kind of sometimes gives you a rhythm for a song. And and also sometimes you'll be listening to the radio and a particular groove will kind of entice you, you know. But anyway, this song came up and I started writing it. And then, and I think it was months later, I had this idea for some, for a different song, you know, in it. And then another song and then another song. Pretty soon I had like five songs. There's six songs in it. The, the opening number actually came up last. So I had these songs and the songs are all kind of, they're fun. 
they're fun songs, you know, and then so the when I had the songs, I kind of built the story, the narration around them. So I, I've done the show as a narration where I sing the songs I, and I actually even talk in character voices, which is incredibly corny, but it's fun. <laughs> but you're like, grandmother talks like this, you know, and, and then the woodsman talks kind of like this. And the wolf is kind of a combination of Professor Snape and Jack Benny. <laughs> I don't know how that came about, but he has this kind of like, well, I don't know, kind of a voice. And so as I began to think about these characters um, and, and these songs just kind of, it was, it was kind of like, like trying to find a path, you know, where getting from one song to the next, you know, and, and as I, as I would go, then sometimes I, I like, I think I had the, just don't seem to be yourself tonight. And then I had the wolf song which is I'm so blue and, and the wolf sing became I'm so blue is started out. I think thinking about criminals because uh, I had another song that I was working on at the same time, which I haven't actually finished yet, which is called crime doesn't pay because you know, you end up making license plates. It's not, it's not good pay. It's like a dollar an hour or something, you know? So, so I had this, this whole thing and, and the wolf kind of, he, he became this guy uh, who was just blowing it, you know, just blowing it. He just didn't, he didn't get it why he was miserable, you know? And uh, that was probably a lot of therapy and, you know, <laughs> a lot of social stuff that I was thinking about at the time. And, and so he ended up with this, he ended up being this character that doesn't, um, doesn't take ownership of his actions and that's why his life is a mess you know so as the song he i ended up with this sort of self-pity song so then in order to put that in i had to have him talking to himself and then i thought okay well that would be what Eddie would be doing when he was on his way to grandmother's house to get there ahead of red. It's a public domain story. Nobody knows who wrote this thing. It's hundreds of years old, you know, and it's probably a thousand versions of it already. You know, I don't know why they need mine, but, <laughs> but mine is a little more modern. And it ended up kind of being about life lessons. Um, Little Red Riding Hood's song, when she sings, you just don't seem to be yourself tonight. It's like her being in touch with her intuition that she feels like she's in danger. So she, she bails, you know, she takes off, which is what you want kids to do if they, you want them to pay attention to their intuition and run if they feel danger, you know? So that, yeah. then when I got those two songs, it was kind of like, okay, this is a teaching opportunity here. So then the songs became, then the next song I think I got was Cranky which is at the end of the, I'm giving away the ending, but everybody knows what happens anyway. <laughs> but, but the, uh, at the end, you know, the woodcutters, you can't kill the wolf. He's an endangered species now. And I didn't want to kill him anyway. You know, I wanted him to be able to ask for forgiveness and be forgiven. I wanted, I wanted kids to think, okay, if I screw up, I say, I'm sorry. And I, you know, and I, and I own it and I behave better going forward. So the woodcutter goes in at the end to kill the wolf and the wolf says, well, go ahead. I deserve it. 
you know, I've been hurting people for a long time and I don't want to do it anymore. And then the woodsman can't kill him because he sees this one little tear roll down the wolf's furry cheek. So he puts down his axe and he says, well, what were you thinking? And the wolf says, well, I think the problem is I wasn't thinking. It's just, I was just really hungry. And when I'm hungry, sometimes I just, I get a little cranky when I'm hungry, you know? And so it becomes a, that became a song about, you know, how to pay attention to your emotions and how they're tied in with other things that are going around, going on around you. Like maybe you're hungry. The songs basically wrote the narration and then I went to, uh, I ended up doing this because when I was out to play the International Women's Day at, at your station at WMR, I was um, hanging around a couple of days afterwards and I went to um, to the academy to see about the next time I came out doing this narration and with the character voices and playing it. And she said, I'd like to do the play. And I was like, yes, <laughs> you know, because I mean, just the idea of having other people, when you create something like this, you know, like anything, I mean, it's the same thing that happens when you're in the studio with an album, you know, you've, you've written the song, you've sung the song, you've performed it, probably you've gotten response to it. And then you go into the recording studio and you got a drummer and a bass player and a keyboard player and, and a guitar player. And you got all these people putting their input onto your creation. And so it's not just yours anymore. You know, it, it kind of does its own thing. It kind of grows. I haven't seen this yet. I know it's been cast and I know they've been rehearsing and I know they've been memorizing the lines. But so when Judy Hammer, who runs the Academy, she, uh, she said, could, could we do it as a play? I said, sure. And so I had, I actually have a degree in theater that I've never used. There were things that you can say in a narration that, you know, the, the listener can imagine in their imagination and see. But getting from this point in the story to that, you know, you've got people moving around on a stage and sets and all that, you know, so I had to make some changes, which actually I think enhanced it. One of the themes in your musical adaptation of Little Red Riding Hood is forgiveness. What are your thoughts on apologies and what makes a good one? Well, I spent 20 years in therapy and adult children of alcoholics meetings. <laughs> so my, my thinking is that if you don't take ownership of something when you screw up, you don't learn anything. You don't, your behavior doesn't change with the next time that you're confronted with a similar situation. So for them to continue to grow and become the best people they can be, it's integral to the development of their character. It's sort of like I've been going through some things in my family that when you allow yourself to apologize, it creates a vulnerability that allows the other person to let down their walls. And you don't have true intimacy without that collapse of, I didn't do that, you know? You have to, when you say, boy, I really screwed up. I'm really sorry. I didn't, well, I wouldn't hurt you for the world. I'm really sorry I said that. I, that was really thoughtless of me. You know, when you do that, you it's like note to self, for one thing. You know, don't do that again, because, you know, it felt really bad to hurt somebody's feelings. And then the other thing is that that person 
gets to clear the air. I have a song actually about forgiveness. And, and it says, one of the lines in it is, forgiveness isn't just for the forgiven. It helps the injured have a chance to heal. In AA and in Al-Anon, they'll tell you that when you don't forgive people, you have this big, it's like a big plastic garbage bag full of resentments. It's like they're hubcaps, you know, and you're carrying this big bag of hubcaps with you everywhere you go. But every time you forgive somebody, you get to take a hubcap out of the bag. With the goal being, you finally throw the bag away. The hardest part about forgiveness is knowing whether or not to to let that, to go back to square one. Like I have a family member who has repeatedly hurt me. I forgive her, but I'm not going to ever feel as close to her as I have because well, my friend Becky Hobbs has a song, Fool Me Once, Shame On You, Fool Me Twice, Shame On Me. You know, So it's a matter of using good judgment. You forgive somebody to let it go. And that's for you. You forgive people for yourself. So you're not carrying that crap around. If the person is not trustworthy, if the person doesn't own their stuff, then you pay attention to that. Just like Red does with the wolf. At the end of the of the thing, you know, she she gives him a piece of cake because he's hungry, you know. <laughs> But she kind of backs away pretty fast, <laughs> and and the re the resolve at the very end of the play is, you know, she forgave the wolf, but she never went into the forest alone again, and she she learned the importance of minding her mother, and she she learned the importance of minding her mother. That was award-winning singer-songwriter Claudia Nygaard. Her musical adaptation of Little Red Riding Hood is running this Saturday and Sunday at 2 p.m. at the Academy of Performing Arts at 120 Main Street in Orleans. Tickets are available at academyplayhouse.org. That was En Somarkvel from Freinder, a Swedish group that weaves traditional Swedish and traditional Estonian music with modern rock and pop. Today we speak with Michelle Morrow, certified refuse to be a victim instructor, rad instructor, owner of Protection for a Purpose, and senior mentor with Damsel in Defense. Today we discuss personal safety strategies, intuition, crimes of opportunity, and Michelle will share with us her top five safety tips. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you very much for having me. I'm excited to, to share some information. Are people as aware of their surroundings as they used to be before smartphones came along? That's a great question. And that's a huge problem these days between smartphones and earbuds. So we call it focus lock. It's when we are not paying attention to our surroundings and we're so focused on something else that someone or something could happen and they wouldn't know until it's too late. I see so many people walking down the street and not even just for 
you know, an attacker or anything, but for personal safety, as in your, your body, right? I mean, people, you can trip and fall, you can walk into something if you're not paying attention. And there's just way too much focus on that phone. We're so busy, though, right? I mean, we we're, have so many things to do. We have to go to the grocery store, we have to pick up the kids who's got soccer practice. This is what I have to do. I have to go to the bank. So our brain is just going too fast. And we need to slow down and be present in order to stay safe. Do you think people trust their instincts? Some people are in tune with it and some people aren't. And I I tell everybody, every time I teach class, I tell them never, ever, ever discount your intuition. We know what that feels like, whether it's a pit in the stomach, the hair on the back of the neck, goosebumps. I have left many places because something said to me, this is not the place to be right now. And I'm grateful nothing happened. I mean, I've left my friends in a restaurant because the energy was just really different for me. We had been to the restaurant a million times. It just didn't feel right for me. And I just, I had to go. But I I feel that people may not necessarily understand what those feelings mean. And they're not always paying attention. But I'd rather you listen and have nothing happen than not listen and then say, oh, gosh, right. If I look back on that situation yeah, something, something in my heart, something in my brain, something in my, my body told me something wasn't right. Can crimes of opportunity be prevented? Sure. If we are situationally aware, which means we don't have a phone, we don't have earbuds in. If you have to have earbuds in, please make sure it's just one and it's turned down. You're paying attention to what's happening. So you can hear someone coming up behind you. It could be a dog. It could be a squirrel, whatever it is. But you have the opportunity to react. Situational awareness is actually a choice. And I find it interesting that when we drive a vehicle, we're paying attention, right? We're looking for people walking down the street. We're looking for dogs. We're looking for a stop sign, cars coming the other way, who's turning. But we don't choose to pay attention in our everyday life doing regular activities. So as long as you're situationally aware, you have a better opportunity. Like if you keeping your head up and focusing straight ahead instead of down, If you see someone coming at you and you just get a bad vibe, or maybe they're kind of looking at you funny, or maybe they're fidgeting, you might think, oh, something might happen. Well, you can cross the street. You can turn around and go into a store. So those are ways to reduce your risk of something happening. Don't be afraid to stand your ground and, and not be nice. I give you permission. You don't have to be rude. You just have to be assertive, right? I mean, if someone's coming after you and they want you here, come this way, do this, do that, do the other thing. And you keep saying, no, no, no. At some point, you need to say, no, enough. You're probably not going to see these people again. So for the most part, you're doing this with a stranger. Unfortunately, there's some, um, you know, abuse, whether it's partner abuse, um, you know, family, whatever. So you may have to live with them. And that's harder to deal with. But When you're dealing with strangers, you don't have to worry about it. Act crazy, do whatever you have to do to get out of that situation because you feel uncomfortable. So what happens when girls and women get their refuse to be a victim training with you? Sure. So refuse to be a victim is actually a a sit down class where we discuss different aspects of life. So travel safety, situational awareness, being in your home. So do you have overgrown bushes? Do you have automatic outdoor lights? Do you have curtains? I mean, your windows could be wide open. We love driving around at Christmas time, looking at the Christmas lights, right? And you're looking at people's beautiful trees in the window. Uh, But normally you don't want people looking in your window. So that's a a longer class, but um, I'm also a certified RAD instructor which is rape aggression defense. And that is a very physical, intense uh, nine to 15 hour class. It's an amazing class. The last class I took, someone said to me, what do you like most about teaching? 
I love watching the transformation of the students. So from when they walk in the door, um, they could be teenagers, they could be middle-aged women, they could be older women, but they come in just a little hesitant. I mean, it's a little intimidating when you say physical nine to 15 hour class, you're like, oh God, what did I sign up for? They're quiet, they're shy, but by the end of the class, their head is held high, they have a ton of confidence and they are walking out the door badass. They're ready to do what they have to do. And I actually had a woman, she was about 70 or 80 years old that took my last class. And she wrote me an email pretty much as soon as she left class. And she said, thank you so much for having this. I was at the point where I was ready to stay inside and not go out anymore. The, the world is becoming a scary place. She said, but I feel so much better after taking this class that I know if something happens, if someone comes at me, I know what I can do and I know I can defend myself. And it just warms my heart to see this transformation right before my eyes in, in just a few short days. Yeah. Can you talk about that sense of empowerment? Yeah. Learning techniques. So with the damsel in defense, I, I have products. So I have, I have pepper spray, some blingy pepper spray. Um, I have a striking tool. This is my backup plan. So if someone's coming at me, I have stun guns. So these, these tools alone are really empowering because now you know that you have something in your hands that you can use should something occur. And it may even deter the event from happening. So that's empowering in itself. But when it comes to self-defense, 93% of self-defense is mental. Only 7% is physical because you need to have that mindset to say, I'm getting out of here. I'm going to do everything possible. I'm going home tonight. I'm going home to my parents. I'm going home to my family, but I'm not going to let anything happen. Depending on the struggle, you could get tired. You know, you're, you're really exerting yourself. And at some point you may say, oh gosh, I'm just too tired. I can't do this anymore. But after the, the confidence, the training, whether carrying a tool, you think, you know what? I got this. I trained for this. And I tell people too, it's all about the muscle memory. So even after you take a class, it's not just a one and done. You can't just take a class and then six years down the road go, oh, I took a class six years ago. I know what I'm doing. I tell people when you're listening to the radio, watching news, there's nothing really nice on TV. I tell people, put yourself in a situation. If someone's running and they get attacked, think, how would I react if that was me? And you can play out that scenario. And the more you play it out, the more it's going to be an automatic, I know what I'm doing and this is how I'm going to do it. How did you get into this field? So once upon a time, I used to walk and run and I carried pepper spray because I was afraid of dogs. Now I have two dogs of my own. And I ended up going to a little town fair, kind of like the one that I met you at. And there was a pink tent in the corner and she had all these awesome products. And when I went over, I was like, what is all this stuff? She said, you can have a pepper spray stun gun party. And I was like, what? Who needs wine? Pepper spray and stun gun, sign me up. This was the only company that was going home to home and teaching women about personal safety. And I thought this is really cool. And when I researched the company, I thought I really need to be a part of this. And actually, it's nine years today that I have been uh, with Damsel in Defense, and it's pretty exciting. Congratulations. So incorporating self-defense was a natural next step. Some people aren't comfortable carrying these things, just like with a gun. I have some people come by my table and they're like, oh, I have a gun. I don't need this. Not always optimal to fire off a gun. That's great, but you should have a backup plan. So if they didn't want to carry this and they weren't comfortable, then I wanted them to have options. So that's when I decided to do the personal safety in the RAD class. How many people have personal safety strategies? 
it's interesting. I talk to so many people when I do events that don't have a plan and they don't even think about it. They come and sometimes people come to my table and they're like on a mission. They're like, oh my gosh, I saw this and I had to be here. Oh, I was just talking about pepper spray the other day. Fantastic that you have it. A lot of people in small towns, they'll say to me, I live in a small town. Nothing happens there. Well, I can think of a few horrible incidents that have happened in the state of New Hampshire and we still don't have answers to it. And some people will say, I'm too old. They don't want me. And it's not about that. It's about control. Um, someone just wants to have control over you. So it's it's really important. And especially if you have a family, having a plan so that if you're out driving to the store and you're coming out of the grocery store, maybe someone's hanging around your car, you know, how do you deal with that? Like I said, the world is crazy right now and I just don't see it getting any better. So having having a plan of, do you have something in your purse? Do you carry pepper spray? I don't want you to have it in your purse. That's part of it too. So many people, oh yeah, pepper spray, it's in my purse. Okay, it's not going to do you any good. Oh, I have pepper spray or I have a coubaton. Yeah. Oh, where is it? Oh, it's in my car. It's in my nightstand. It's in the kitchen. Okay, well, you got pepper spray for a reason, not to just let it sit in the kitchen or in the car. We need to have these things. And I have mine on a breakaway keychain because I want instant access to whatever I'm carrying. So if you, even if you don't want to carry it, you could hang this off of your purse. You could hang it off of a belt loop, but you have to be able to grab it. So like I said, coming out of the store and maybe something's happened, again, listening to your intuition, you feel uncomfortable, go back in the store and get help. Go to customer service and say, look, I think something's going on. I just don't feel right. Can someone walk me? With your kids, I mean, as we got to teach our kids about intuition. Like I'm really huge on that conversation because I know for me, I don't remember my parents having that conversation. They have these feelings that they don't know what they mean. Um, and we're always asking them, go hug your grandma, Uncle Jimmy, go give them a hug. Well, sometimes they just, they don't feel right. So give them, have them give them a fist pump, a high five, or, or just a wave across the room. But making sure that if you're out and about, Again, my, my keys are in my hand with, with my pepper spray, my striking tool. And depending on the situation, maybe I get my stun gun out. Uh, I had gone to dinner, walked across the street into the parking lot, and there was someone who was staying way off out of the light with a hoodie over his head and his head was down. Well, that to me was a little creepy. So I had all my tools in my hand just in case he was just going about his business. But I had a plan. I had my protection. I had a straight plan to get to my car. And I knew if they made a move, um, you know, being able to kind of to change it up and, and know where your exits are. So knowing walking out of a, a store and saying, okay, my vehicle's over here, just kind of taking inventory wherever you are. All right, what's going on? Okay, it looks okay. I don't see anything weird. Nobody's cruising through the parking lot. I don't see someone hanging around, but just making sure you've, you've got something in place. What are your five safety tips? Yes, absolutely. So situational awareness, we've been talking about that. Be prepared, be aware. So phone away, no earbuds, no distractions. A lot of people will talk on the phone when they leave work to get to their car. Again, you're not paying attention. You can't hear what's going on. We talked about intuition. Never discount your intuition. Um, again, I'd rather you you listen and nothing happen than not listen and have something else happen. Boundaries and communication, so important. So if you're walking out of the grocery store and someone says, hey, let me help you with that. And you say, no, no, that's okay. Thank you. But thank you. No, 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 it's okay. I'm going that way. Well, how do you know where I'm going? Cars, travel safety, right? Being in your car, most, most cars have the automatic door locks and you can switch that so that only the driver's door opens when you hit that lock or unlock button. So make sure you just unlock the driver's door when you get there. 
look around your car, make sure nobody's hanging around, look at the cars around you. And at stoplights and red lights, summertime, I will actually close my windows, at least the the passenger side, because I don't want someone trying to reach in, unlock the door, maybe even open the door. And again, another reason to make sure your door is locked. Same with the gas station. So when you head to a different state or a different city or town, you don't want to look like a tourist because then people know you have no idea what you're doing or where you are and they can try, they can take advantage of you. So make sure you're not carrying around a map. Make sure you, before you leave your room, you know, you have to go down six buildings and take a left or whatever. When checking in, be very private. So I know a lot of the hotel front desk, they may say, oh, you're in room 142 and give you your key. No, thank you. Can you not do that and give me a different room, please? Because you never know who's listening. And then I also sell door locks and door alarms. So make sure you're triple locking your door. Don't ever open your door for someone. Um, Even if you order room service, check and, and call out first and just be very safe. And if you don't have an alarm or something, I've actually used an ironing board because I forgot my door alarm once. So I I leaned the ironing board on the door and I knew if someone came in, even though I triple locked the door, that it's going to make a lot of noise and scare both of us. How can folks contact you? Sure. So they can go to my Facebook page, which is Protection for a Purpose. You can message me there. And my email is mmorrow1422 at gmail. And I can answer any questions you have. And if you go to my Facebook page, you'll find the website for the Damsel in Defense products. Thank you so much, Michelle Morrow, for joining us today. You've been listening to Healing Wisdom at Outermost Radio. All of our shows are podcasts at WOMR.org. Also check out HealingWisdomRadioShow.com and contact me at Pandora at WOMR.org. Our theme music is provided by Mazin. You can find her website at mazinmusic.com. That's M-A-E-S-Y-N.
Today we speak with Michelle Morrow, certified refuse to be a victim instructor, rat instructor, owner of Protection for a Purpose, and senior mentor with Damsel in Defense. Today we discuss personal safety strategies, intuition, crimes of opportunity, and Michelle will share with us her top five safety tips. Welcome, Michelle. Vi hörde däckens melodi 